0: Welcome to The Gathering Place
1: with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hey, Jenna. How are you? (laughs) Couldn't be better. We're right here in our new studio with our in-person guest, Edmund Mitchell. First
0: in-person guest ever.
2: Mm-hmm. welcome thanks it's great to be here i think i'm comfortable saying that i'm the biggest male fan of blessed is she wow we yeah. should
0: have a competition we like should have a strong man competition but yeah it's blessed is she.
2: email beth if you're a strong man
0: beth davis <clears throat> at blessed is she <clears> throat> throat> dot net. Yeah. Yeah. give it out um edmund would you mind Thank introducing you yourself
2: my name is edmund mitchell i have worked for the church for the last seven years i met my wife at franciscan university steubenville Currently, I'm serving as the director of evangelization and catechesis at my parish. And I work primarily with the adult ministry, but I first got into youth ministry. I have five kids. I live in Texas, Grapevine, Texas. I'm like a Husky 180, 5'11 and three quarters. Wow. Yeah, Husky.
0: You shared when you were talking that you have like a long term plan when it comes to evangelization.
2: Well, for me growing up, the faith was very intellectual. Uh, My parents taught, you know, CCD. My dad taught RCIA. The relationship with God was there, but it just wasn't explicit. The language wasn't there. We would do these like memorized prayers every night, but we'd always have this like dear Jesus, which would become kind of a memorized prayer. Be like, dear Jesus, pray for all the boys and girls who don't have a bed or a meal to eat tonight. Jesus, we pray that dad gets promoted. But something about that just impressed upon me that I could talk to God. And so... I have memories of literally holding this like dumb glow in the dark Mary statue Mm -hmm. telling Mary the story Mm -hmm. about Jesus. Stop. Yeah. Super cute, huh? Wow. Come on. So I have these memories of like talking to God, but again, there wasn't a community or culture that was explicit enough about it. And my parents did an amazing job of laying the groundwork for that. And that's something I've come to appreciate is the fact that the liturgy and our formalized prayers kind of, ingrain that personal relationship in the language and in the liturgy. But if you don't have someone to kind of pull it out and show you like, Hey, the Eucharist is about you coming into communion with Jesus and not just a symbol that we just do. Cause you just have to do it. If you don't have that, you can just drift off and start feeling like, well, God's just like some Morgan Freeman looking dude off at a distance, just like mad that I like did what I did last night other than who he really is. Once you start trying to wrap your head around that, okay, God, help me to really believe that at any moment you could just walk in. That feeling of like, he's here changes everything for a lot of people. It's not like you start having that realization and suddenly everything's easy. I mean, it's just like getting married, like you're really in love, and then stuff happens. And in some ways, like those difficulties make the marriage and the yes even stronger because it's like, I'm saying yes, even though it's hard. I'm saying yes, even though it's difficult and it's challenging and I don't feel it. Christianity is embedded in everything we do. We have all these words that we don't take time to examine. We just accept. We're just Mm -hmm. like, okay, we go to church and there's this like resurrection thing. And like these words that we, we don't take time to really reflect on. So anyways, it wasn't until I met people who talked about Jesus as if they had him in their closet. And I was like, wait, all the books I had read, all the Scott Hahn books and all the Jeff Kaven's books and all these things were really great intellectually for me, but there was this big piece I was missing and I still was struggling, you know, with personal sin and just struggling in general. And it was gradual and in stages. It wasn't like I woke up covered in cocaine and blood. I knew that moment I needed Jesus.
0: You knew my story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
2: I wish I had that story that Jenna had. Uh, So it wasn't until I slowly started, you know, hearing about this idea of a personal relationship and reading the stories of saints and, meeting people. They weren't as book smart about the faith, but they talked about Jesus as if he influenced their lives on a daily basis, was teaching them. And I was just like, man, I, I want that. I really want that. And so that began a, a huge journey for me. And I went to Franciscan University where I majored in catechetics, which is how to teach the faith to people, how to pass it on, not mm-hmm. just teach it, but like how to pass it on. And there's this huge catechetical renewal in the church where JP2 is saying, and the church is saying, that catechesis isn't just about information; it's about an encounter with a person. It's about intimacy with Jesus. I'm not the person that came up with all of this. Like, there's so many books. Sherry Waddell's "Forming Intentional Disciples" talks about this. Divine Renovation, Evangelii Gaudium by Pope Francis. You know, you read all the church documents, and it's all about the fact that we're missing this, what they call the charisma, which is like the why. Like, why believe in the church's teaching on abortion? Why believe the church's teaching on? same-sex marriage, why I believe any of it. And it's because of an encounter with the person of Jesus. I don't know. The long-term plan, I guess, is just to stay at a parish for as long as possible and try to influence the culture instead of it being any one program or any one person, but to just be there and continue to just repeat the message of the kerygma. That's what a lot of parishes are missing in their catechesis. They call it catechesis, but for a lot of people, it's just religious education. I understand the word. You don't have to be Christian to be educated about Christianity. JP2 and Paul VI and all all these popes were calling for a charismatic catechesis, which means like putting everything we teach in the context of the charisma, which is like the basic message of who Jesus is, who we are, and how we're called to be in relationship with him. It's crazy. There's so many Catholics that have been Catholic their whole life. And, you know, some people might be familiar with like Alpha or Discovering Christ. And these are programs that are trying to only focus on the kerygma. And people who've been Catholic their whole life. When you propose to them a program like that, some of it sounds like, is there a God? Mm-hmm. Like, why do we believe in Jesus? And they're like, these sound like simple questions, but no one's ever explained it to them in a way that matters to them today. It's always just like, this is who Jesus was. Believe that. This is what he did for you. So feel bad about that. Now do these things for the rest of your life. There are lots of parishes that are doing those programs and people are like, oh my gosh, this suddenly everything comes alive Yeah, when you encounter a person The quote that I'm sure gets said over and over and over and over again by Pope Benedict, Christianity is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but it's an encounter with a person who has a face and a name, the person Jesus of Nazareth, who gives life new direction, new horizon. As the church has started to adopt this kind of charismatic language and this gospel-centered language, a lot of times people will say, oh, this sounds super Protestant. It's been there from the very beginning. At Pentecost, when everyone was like, what the heck's going on? Peter didn't go into Thomas Aquinas's summa, right? Like he just said, this guy, his name was Jesus. This promise is to you, to those who are far off. You killed him, and then he rose from the dead. And that's it.
1: First he said, no, we're not drunk.
2: We're not drunk. <laughs> we, Yeah.
0: This isn't as crazy as it seems.
2: Yeah. I really just feel like that we need more people at parishes to just be at a parish and impact the culture for a long time. We're really lucky to have some really awesome people working at our parish. And so my goal is just to stay at a parish for as long as God will let me and just see what happens, which is one of the most exciting, adventurous things to do. Even if you're not working at the parish, I think people who are listening to this, just to commit to one place, to commit to not just a parish, but your city, you know, the parish is not the building. The parish is the geographic location Mm -hmm. that your pastor is responsible for bringing the gospel to so I always get frustrated with all these parish membership forms. If you live in the parish mm-hmm. boundary, you're, you're a member. Whether you want to or not, the pastor is responsible for bringing Jesus to you, whether you're Buddhist or Muslim or whatever. If you're in Grapevine, our pastor is responsible for you to see your parish as this place that you're committing to over the, the next however many years you're there to bring the gospel, whether that means like every time you go by that trailer park, you pray for them or every time you go by that homeless person. You know, Whatever it is in the city, you're bringing God to the city. There's
0: definitely a sense of ownership then.
2: Yeah, because it's like, I'm part of this church. Yeah, if we don't do it, who will? How long have you guys known Jesus? At what point did it become personal for you?
1: I was maybe in sixth grade and I was an altar server. And I would sit on the altar and think about God. But I really had no concept that he was being transubstantiated Mm. on the altar right there. Yeah. I believed that he was real alive, listening, but he was far off to Mm me. I mean, I had an encounter with the person of Jesus when I was in high school in confirmation. Thank God for confirmation programs that require you to go to classes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) require you to go to youth group, required me to go on retreat and just be immersed, like you said, in the culture of people who knew Jesus. Jenna?
0: I'm very much the type of person that just goes with whatever is cool and fun at the time no matter who it is, so like crazy friends in high school or volleyball friends, whatever, I'll just do whatever is fun and cool. So I have always kind of taken that question and said, I had an encounter with Jesus in high school at a conference, but now I'm realizing just that I really think probably the deeper encounter was when I was flirting with atheism and reading about atheism and really doubting God's presence, which happened years later after I have always previously said This is when I met Jesus. I think maybe I needed to be an adult. Maybe I needed to grow a little bit and realize it wasn't just like an emotional Mm. thing that I always really tied my heart conversion to. Mm. This like emotional heightened conference experience. I just so cling to that there is a God and there is a creator. And if there is a creator, so much of this falls into place. But that's really where my like doubt and struggle comes from is that one primary thing even exists. Recently on Teachable Tuesday, someone asked, what do I say to someone who says that they don't believe in God? And it's essential to me that we know that answer Mm. and that we know what to say to people who say, how do we know that there's a God? Because I just feel like that's where it stemmed for me. And that was just so pivotal to have Mike at the time, who was just a friend, look at me and say, we're going to throw that book away and we're going to go to church and we're going to go to reconciliation and receive the sacraments. And... That was just a pivotal moment to me. And I really feel like that's when I chose it, which was so much more lasting than Mm. the emotional high of like a conference
1: as a teenager. But here's the thing. It's ongoing. Totally. Like Even though I would tell, you know, if somebody asked me, when was your conversion? I would go back to this relationship, this mentor, this retreat. But the reality is I'm converted every single day Mm. in prayer. Totally. More and more. I didn't come to know God as a father until I was in my thirties. Mm. And I'd loved Jesus been following the Lord intentionally since high school. Mm-hmm. We're always growing. So yeah. that was like another step in your conversion. Yeah, It's not a one and done. Totally, We don't believe that it is.
2: Mm-mm. Well, I love Sherry Waddell's suggestion of like the skeptics prayer and the skeptics prayer is like, God, if you're real, I'm open to that. Or God, if you're real, like show me. There's been witnesses of a lot of people who said that like when they were an atheist or when they were struggling, that was the only type of prayer that they could do at all. And I think that's just such an honest, simple prayer that the Lord rewards that type of honesty and directness.
1: I think along those same lines, hearing other people's testimony is so inspiring. I was at a parish this week, and they had this poster board up of all their candidates and catechumens that came into the church. And I saw this really sweet man and one of the parish staff members was there. And she said, oh, you're not going to believe this. And she told me his conversion story. And I don't believe it. It was unbelievable. Mm. (laughs) People don't hear these kind of moving, life-changing, incredible encounters with Jesus enough.
0: We've talked about that so much with AA stuff. There's a reason people go to at least once a week meetings when they're in AA. To hear these stories of these people's lives being
1: transformed.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's why we love the saints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's why the saints are so inspiring. They followed the Lord. And look, their circumstances were way worse than mine. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: They persevered. Edmund, who's your favorite saint?
2: I really like St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Ignatius of Antioch. So much so that we named one of our kids Ignatius which took a long time to convince my wife. I also was really impacted by the book Set All Afire by Father, I think, Louis DeWall, about St. Francis Xavier, and it's a historical fiction. So anyways, it tells the story of Francis Xavier having this conversion through St. Ignatius of Loyola and then being launched out into India, doing missionary activity out there, and just the whole story of his transformation and just his heart for Going after people it was really moving. So I really like St. Francis Xavier as well.
1: Also, his friendship mm-hmm. with St. Ignatius.
2: Yeah, it was really cool. How they used to
1: like keep letters thing? to one another on there. Well, and
2: it just shows you, too, the power of discipling someone. True discipleship is discipling someone and then them going out and bearing fruit. That's so powerful. Bringing someone to Jesus could mean for you to just bring that person to Jesus, which then means that an entire country practically like gets the gospel, but just like saying yes to helping the Lord impact one person. Mm. It's crazy. So go change the world, right? Just walk with one person.
1: Sometimes I literally sit in the chapel and I'll be looking at Jesus in the monstrance and I'll say to myself, you're real. Mm. You're right here. I have to preach to myself because you don't always feel it. Even in a regular prayer life, even though the Lord is so generous and speaks to us in various ways.
2: If it was so easy to believe in God, it would be hard for us to feel like we had free will in the decision. If God just showed himself to us and we were like, Oh, okay, there he is. It would be so profoundly overwhelming. We wouldn't feel like we had a choice. We just see this amazing overpowering thing and there'd be no free will. And so he always gives us an out. He always gives us a reasonable doubt. Because he wants us to make a free choice, I feel like, at least for me. He doesn't want to save us without us. He wants to cooperate with our freedom. Do you guys experience that where people are hesitant to accept this whole personal relationship thing? Catholics who are like, oh, that's too Protestant. Or even non-Christians who are like, uh, well, that just seems a little strange. Another thing is like people will say, oh, that seems to be like touchy-feely.
1: I have had both experiences. Regularly. I have Protestant friends who are like very proud of me and they love to tell other Protestants. This is my Catholic friend who taught me how to pray.
2: Whoa. This is
1: my Catholic friend who taught me about this thing that I told you that helped you to feel more intimacy in prayer. But then I had these dear friends, roommates at one time who would just call me, Oh, she's our little Protestant. <laughs> I'm like, okay, guys. Yeah. This is the church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved the quote that you shared about the primary aim of catechesis.
2: Yeah. Intimacy with Jesus. Yeah.
1: First of all, it's my favorite word. Yeah. To That's use like to describe life phrase. Like I stake my life on that, that mm. we can have an intimate relationship with Jesus.
2: Yeah. There's another one too. Maybe it's the primary aim of catechesis is to put people not only in touch, but in communion with Jesus Christ.
0: What's your life verse or phrase? It's my life verse. Yeah. Like something you like cling <sighs> to.
2: If someone's upset, it's really hard for me to let it go. And mm. that can be a strength, but it also can be a weakness because it's not emotional boundaries. One time I was in the chapel and I was just so pissed. I was like, God, why would you make me this way? Mm. Like, this sucks. It really sucks to be constantly worried about other people's perceptions of you. I'm like looking through scripture, you know, doing the Bible roulette thing. All of the, the Psalms are like, our God will protect us from the enemy or something like that. And I was just like, I was just mad at him. And I think, you know, people should hear that it's okay to be mad at God. And I was just like, God, like, that's not true. You're not going to protect me in an active shooter situation. I get killed. How does that work, God? And then this passage popped in my head do not fear the one that can destroy your body, but fear the one who can destroy both body and your soul. Dang, I'm more afraid of people that could like Mm. harm me physically than I am afraid of our Lord who has control over my soul. When you come across stuff like that, you should really pray with them over a long period of time. So recently that's been the one I've been trying to pray with a lot. Lord, help me to really believe this. What about you both? Do you guys have a life verse?
1: Beth, what's yours? Romans 8:28. All oh, things right. work together for good for those who love the Lord mm. who are called according to his purpose.
0: My life verse is Mark 5:41. Okay. Little girl, I say to you, arise.
2: Ooh. That's really cool.
0: So when I feel like life sucks, you're yeah. like, that's all right, come on. Well, guys,
1: should we pray? Edmund, would you lead us?
2: Sure. Thanks. Okay, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Holy Father, we thank you so much for coming in the flesh and being present to us and rising to new life so that we would share a new life. Right now, Lord, we pray that you would... Um, whoever's listening, that you would draw closer to them, you draw closer to us. And that, Lord, you would inspire us to ask for more of you. And we also pray for whoever's listening to this who feels far from the Lord or who feels um, like they're in the valley, the shadow of death. Um, they would feel the Lord's presence and believe that he is the good shepherd and we offer up this amazing podcast episode just in praise and thanksgiving. And just, Mary, we just ask that you would intercede for all the other guests that are going to come after me. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed Blessed art thou among women. women. Blessed Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God. pray Pray for for us sinners, now and at the hour of our our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
1: Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd
0: love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your
1: favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.